Peter Drucker, right? You know I love to talk about Peter Drucker, but he coined this term, I don't know, half a century ago, this idea of a smart objective, right? So SMART, S-M-A-R-T, it stands for Specific, Measurable, Attainable, Relevant, and Time-Bound. And he says a goal, any goal, must first be identified, but in order for it to be useful and actionable, it needs to be all of those things. Again, specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and time-bound. Now, too often when it comes to marketing restaurants, I I hear we say things like, uh, we need to do more covers, or we need to increase check average, or we need to find better employees. But I want to know specifically how many covers do you want to do, and what are the actions you can take to achieve that goal? How much more do you want to increase the average spend? And again, what are the actions you're going to take to get there? And what exactly do you mean when you say we need better employees? Do you mean more loyal, more skilled, more experienced, more knowledgeable, more attractive? What? Get specific. Marketing your restaurant is the exact same thing. And on today's episode, I'm going to introduce you to something I call the triangle principle. Uh, We'll loop in this idea of, of Peter Drucker's smart objectives. I promise it'll make sense by the end and you'll be able to achieve whatever it is you're looking to achieve by applying this idea. Stick around. There's an old saying goes something like this. You'll only find three kinds of people in the world. Those who see, those who will never see, and those who can see when shown. This is Restaurant Strategy, a marketing podcast for anyone who's looking. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. My name is Chip Close and this is Restaurant Strategy, a weekly podcast dedicated entirely to the restaurant industry. Now, each week we toggle back and forth between a monologue style format and an interview, but the goal is always the same, to take complicated marketing concepts and make them both understandable and actionable. Why? Because like I always say, information is only as valuable as the action it inspires. Now, Today's episode is brought to you by Ovation, the actionable guest feedback platform that actually drives revenue. These days, so many restaurants are using third-party delivery platforms to drive revenue, but once the food goes out the door, it's often impossible to maintain a connection to the guest. Restaurants all over the country are now turning to Ovation to solve that problem. Recently voted the number one guest feedback platform in a nationwide restaurant owner survey, Ovation uses an SMS-based survey, so a text message, as a digital touchpoint that's redefining guest feedback. If the experience was great, then your guests are prompted uh, to leave an online review and are then automatically invited back or urged to convert over to first-party ordering. If it wasn't great, you're immediately notified so your team can resolve issues in real time. Get more feedback, more reviews, and more revenue with Ovation. Visit OvationUp.com slash chip to get 2,000 free text messages. And don't worry, that link is in the show notes. Now, friendly reminder that Restaurant Strategy is on Patreon. There are four different tiers of membership. There are great perks that go along with each of those membership tiers. Uh, 
Every single one, though, gets you access to the new private podcast. It's called The Daily Special. It's been going on for a couple of months now. Having a lot of fun with that. To all of you who are already a supporter, thank you so much. If anyone out there uh, wants to go and join the community, please visit, uh, become part of this. Visit patreon.com slash restaurant strategy. Now, I promised at the top of the show to introduce you to something I call the triangle principle. Now, what exactly is that? We're going to get to it in just a second. But again, when it comes to marketing a restaurant, I think too often we suffer from a lack of specificity. That's why I started off talking about Peter Drucker again. This this idea of the smart objectives, I think, are the only way to succeed in business and in life. To successfully market a restaurant, I think we have to focus on three different areas. Attraction, retention, and evangelism. So the triangle principle simply says that a successful marketing plan should incorporate all three. Now, I'm going to break down each of these, and then I'm going to explain why I think most restaurants do this wrong. I'm going to prove to you why I'm right, and then I'm going to show you a better, more productive way of doing things. So again, the triangle principle is attraction, retention, and evangelism. These are the three things we need to do consistently and in coordination to market our restaurants, and they require specificity. Right, so number one, first up is attraction. Right, we we obviously need a reliable way to acquire new guests. Right, we we know that that makes sense, but it's more complicated than simply letting people know you're there. Now, marketing textbooks often talk about a traditional sales funnel. Right, most commonly known is this ADA model, A I D A, another acronym. Marketers, right, we we love our acronyms. It stands for awareness, interest, desire and action. Again, A-I-D-A. And see, humans are funny creatures. We, we don't just see something and then buy it. We consider its value. We think about alternatives. We, we debate whether we really need this thing. And we, and we consider the, the worth of our hard-earned cash and whether this thing is worth uh, the equivalent of our money or our, our time. See, marketers then have two big problems. First, they need to convince the people that they have a problem and then the marketer has to convince those people that they have the solution to that problem. 99% of all marketing fails if it tries to convince people of two things in the same interaction. Better to identify the people who already know they have a problem and then simply present them with a solution. This is why we talk about audiences and segmentation, right? Let's figure out from the start who will be most apt to buy from us and then focus our resources on them. However, however, you do need uh, what's called a top of the funnel strategy. So now we get back to this funnel and in a strange way, we're looping back in uh, to Peter Drucker. Your main goal may be to sell a widget, right? But there are other goals, micro conversions along the way that will ultimately help you arrive at that desired end goal. And a sales funnel works like this. You take a large group of people and you try to put them into the top of the funnel, right? But there's going to be spillage. At every phase, you will lose a certain percentage of people. For example, let's say you're opening a pizza place here in New York City. A total population of 8 million people. The first stage of any sales funnel is typically awareness. Again, using that ADA model. Awareness interest, desire, and action, right? So uh, if our total population is 8 million, your first step 
is to get the people to be aware of you. In order to get people to buy from you, right? I mean, it stands to reason they need to know that you even exist. Now, you do not have the budget to introduce yourself or your restaurant to 8 million people. You would go broke trying. So already that number gets chopped way down, right? You run a Facebook ad or you put a billboard up or posters in bus stops. So maybe you're going to reach a million people. Okay. So now how many of them are going to visit the website that you list on that ad? Meaning there's 8 million people in the population. 1 million people are now aware of you. But how many of those million are interested enough to plug in the web address or to scan the QR code and visit your site? Interest. Remember, that's the next phase. And after that, we have desire. So of the people who visited your website, how many of them got hungry? How many are now excited to order from you? How many, uh, you know, bounced from uh, your website over to your Instagram to, to go deeper in to see really what you do or or went on to the uh, the online ordering portal and or, or drop things in their uh, in their uh, in their shopping cart? See, of that group, who will remember your place then when it comes time to actually order pizza on Friday night? So when you take a population and you put them through the funnel from awareness to interest, to desire, then to that action, you're going to have spillage at every at every step of the way. You're going to start with 8 million people here in New York City. Uh, you can only make a million of them aware of you. Maybe half of them uh, are going to be interested enough uh, to visit your website. And, and, and again, there's drop off at every step of the way uh, until you get down to the action, right? Maybe just a couple hundred people or a couple dozen people are, are going to order from you at, at a meaningful time when, when they get hungry, when it's time to, to order pizza for the family. So to attract new customers, you need to identify all of the steps in that sales funnel. And now you may not think they're clearly defined, but they are. And you have to understand what a customer needs in each of those stages to help them get to the next one. Now it's a tired cliche, right? But, but it works. It's like dating. Let's say you match on the dating app and you start messaging within the app. Eventually that leads to a text exchange, right? You exchange phone numbers and you take it off the app into the quote unquote real world uh, when you're texting back and forth. And eventually, maybe that goes well enough uh, that you set up a date to meet. Incremental steps that get you from awareness, right, when you swiped right, to action when you finally get to meet uh, in person. Now, with this triangle principle, there are specific things you do to, let's say, attract someone to your restaurant that would not work to get them to come back to your restaurant. And, and I, I hope that makes sense. This is where all that Peter Drucker stuff comes in. It requires specificity. So then let's talk about it. What are those things? There are dozens of things you, you probably do already or rather could be doing to try to attract new customers to your restaurant. But you need to be aware of those stages in the sales funnel, right? What are you going to do to get on somebody's radar, to get them to know you? That's a whole set of uh, actions, all different tactics uh, that you're going to use to do that. Likewise, once you have their attention, what are you going to do to entice them to come learn more about you? That's another set of actions, right? So meaning they come across your Facebook ad, let's say, and maybe that's one of the things you do to try to raise awareness. But then once someone likes the post, meaning they've shown interest, what are you doing to get them uh, to learn more, to, to click on the ad, to go to the website? And once they're on the website, what are you doing then to get them to take action? 
So the key to this is that it's about understanding how people come to you and what they're looking for. Again, the things you do to get them to notice you are different than the things you're going to do to get them to try to learn more about you and are different than the things you do to try to get them to take action, right? Meaning book the reservation or place the online order or when they're walking down a, a you know a row of restaurants and looking at all the menus, what is it that gets them to come in and ask for a table at your restaurant uh, as opposed to any of the competitors down the block? That's the first piece to this triangle principle, right? What are the things you're doing or could do or going to do to attract new customers. That brings us to number two, retention. As they say, it's cheaper to keep a customer than to go find a new one. So then why do so many restaurant owners forget how important this is? Once you've gotten someone in the door, what are the specific actions you are taking to get them to come back? Again, this is the second side of the triangle and it's crucial that you understand this. Now luckily, right, the meal itself has a great deal to do with your success in retaining a customer. If the food is good, yeah, people are likely to come back. If the service is attentive, yes, people are likely to notice and they will come back. They like being taken care of. If the if the dining room is nice and the experience is, is a worth a return visit, then yes, they will return to you. But make sure you understand that that is what you're doing. Yes, people are coming into dinner and they expect to have good food and, and, and good service. They, they, they want to have a great time. They, they expect the meal to match the prices you're charging so that they're satisfied. But the specific action you want is to inspire a return visit or a reorder or whatever it is you want your customer to do. Keep that in mind. It's not good enough to just make sure they have a good time this visit. You want to inspire a specific action, which is a reorder, a return visit, whatever that is. So make no mistake, you have an hour or two to convince people that this is a place worth returning to. And again, just like we did with attraction, with retention, there are specific actions we can do, specific tactics we can employ to entice people to return, right? So a loyalty program is one way to do that or a bounce back offer or uh, getting them onto your email list so that you can market to them in the future. Those are three things you can do today to begin working on this retention side of the triangle. Whatever you do, you've got to put a plan in place or three different plans or whatever it is. And then you've got to seek out other solutions as well. As the great John Taffer once pointed out, it takes three visits for people to become a regular customer, right? So really you're working toward that third visit. You got them in once, great. Specifically, what are you going to do to get them to come back for a second visit? Once they do come back, how will you know that this is their return visit, right? This is important because we all know that we have to get them back in a third time. Again, work toward that third visit and you will have them for life. The data shows that. Now, I joked about this a few weeks ago, but I will reiterate it again. Most of us are good about being gracious to guests as they're on their way out, right? Thanks again. Have a great night. But why do we do that? We send them out the door without inviting them back. So try this instead all week long if you can. I dare you. Instead of saying, have a great night, say this. So when are you coming back? Or when will we see you again? It was so great to see you. Uh, what, remember that other couple you brought in? When are we going to see them again? You guys should come back. 
can I make a reservation for you next weekend? Be bold. You want them back and make sure they know you want them back. Now, nine times out of 10, they're going to say, oh, no, we're not sure yet. We'll just call to make a reservation. But at least you will be reminding them that you do want them back. You are telling them, you are inviting them back in. We don't do enough of this, right? So literally your goal is to try to get another reservation on the books. Make sure they know they are welcome here, right? That in fact, you would love to see them again and soon. That's retention. The second side of this triangle, again, the triangle principle, attraction, retention, and the third piece finally is evangelism, which we will get to after a quick message from another one of our sponsors. Now, all of us are well aware that there is no better marketing than word of mouth, like a recommendation from a friend or a family member. That's largely what evangelism is all about. So the restaurant funnel sales system is built with that principle in mind. It's guaranteed to deliver new guests to your restaurant. They, they accelerate that traditional word of mouth process, utilizing both paid and organic channels. Restaurant Funnel will help you generate leads, turn those leads into contacts, and then convert those contacts into actual guests that will rave about their experience. Through engaging, personalized, and measurable communications, those guests are nurtured into superfans. To get started, uh, they're offering a free marketing report card for your business. Visit restaurantfunnel.com slash chip to learn more what they're doing. Lance is the name of the guy who runs this company. Uh, what he is doing has so much to do to, with this triangle principle, this idea of, of attraction, retention, and evangelism. So again, uh, that link is in the show notes, but it's restaurantfunnel.com slash chip. So now you want to get people in the front door and yes, you want to find a way to get them to come back but you also need to, them to go spread the good word about your restaurant. You need them to be evangelists for your brand. Remember back on episode number 106, I interviewed Mark Schaefer, and in his book, Marketing Rebellion, he says, these days most of the marketing is done behind our backs by our customers. They are going to talk about us. The only question is, what are they going to say? You want to give them things to talk about, to ooh and ah over, things to take pictures of and post on social media. So build that into the experience. Remember, marketing shouldn't be something we do to try to promote our product. The product itself should be a key piece of the marketing. Create something remarkable and people can't help but take a picture of it. It's like David Burke and his bacon appetizer. I, I know I've talked about this before, uh, so pardon me if you've already heard this, but David Burke, famous uh, New York-based chef, now has restaurants all over the world. Uh, years ago, I don't know, 20, 25 years ago, uh, he put a bacon appetizer on the menu. Okay, so there are steakhouses that serve bacon, right? Thick, double-cut bacon. Um, they put that on the menu as an appetizer. But what he did is he put a you know plank of wood and two sticks poking up into the air and then tied a clothesline between the two sticks and he took his bacon and he used clothespins and he put five pieces of bacon and, and clasped them to the clothesline. His bacon on a clothesline uh, and, and, and you better believe that that got attention way back then and, and still now, right? It gets attention because number one, um, it's presenting it in a new way. You've never seen anything like that before, right? It, it's, it, it helps sell itself, right? Uh, other tables will see that going through the dining room. They go, what is that? And the people say, it's a server says, oh, that's our uh, that's our bacon appetizer. They said, that's so cool. We got to have one of those, right? And you can't help but take a picture of it and send it to somebody because uh, everybody you know at home uh, has never has never seen this before. 
So you take a picture, you post it on Instagram, or you send it to your family. That's what I'm talking about. David Burke found a way to get people talking about his restaurant, about the experience, about a given dish. The dining experience should help give your customers a shorthand to talk about you. And you should find opportunities to invite people to share their meal, either things to talk about or items worth photographing. Don't just do the same old thing that everyone else does. Find ways to be different, right? So again, David Burke and the bacon is a perfect example of this, right? So are the black tab milkshakes or uh, the pearls and caviar at French Laundry or the cotton candy at the Four Seasons. And I could go on and on for the next hour talking about these little flourishes, things that great restaurateurs, great chefs do to get attention. But you get the point. Dare to be different. Dare to stand out from the competition. Now, here's the crazy thing about this, right? Most people, probably many of you listening, do this in the wrong order. In fact, every single restaurant owner I've ever worked with is fanatically focused on customer acquisition. And I wanna show you why you need to shift your mindset. Again, remember, there are three sides to this triangle principle, attraction, retention, and evangelism. And the secret that I give to you is that you gotta do them in reverse order. If you are singularly focused on the first part, then you'll be ignoring the people you've already managed to capture. And just because you've gotten them to dine with you doesn't guarantee that they're gonna have a good time. It doesn't guarantee that they're gonna say nice things about you. And it certainly doesn't guarantee that they're going to come back. So I want you to work these in reverse order. Evangelism, retention, and then attraction. And the key to this whole thing is that, again, there are specific actions you take to achieve each side of the triangle. While yes, there can be some overlap for the most part, think of them as separate. Now, if we work this in reverse order, again, I want you to start with evangelism. Okay, so answer this question for me. What would get people to perk up and pay attention to your food? What would make them uh, a step back and smile and, and take a picture of the dining room? What would make them take a picture of one of the dishes? What would make people go out of their way to mention your restaurant to a colleague or a friend? In many ways, this has to be manufactured. You need to create something remarkable. Remember, back a few weeks ago, we were talking about the difference between luxury and commodity. And I'll remind you, a commodity item is a basic good. A luxury good is something unique, scarce, and sought after. So how can you bring that luxury mindset to your restaurant? There are a thousand different ways to do this, to be unique and to stand out. You simply need to be creative enough to come up with the ideas and bold enough to put them into play. And I promise you, everyone listening to this podcast is capable of doing those two things. Think about it this way. Let's say you've got fried calamari on the menu. Why is it on the menu? Is it a popular item? Will, would people miss it if it were gone? Okay, so let's say it is popular and it's got to stay on the menu, but the trouble is most of the time it's the same. No matter where you go, you get a basket of calamari rings with a few tentacles on top and a little dish of red sauce on the side to dip into it. No one is getting that dish and thinking, wow, that's cool. I've never seen that before, right? 
No one is snapping pictures to post that on social media, and no one is going to rave about that dish tomorrow morning to their uh, colleague in the office. It's just a basket of fried calamari. So the challenge then is to find a way to make that dish remarkable. So what if you cut the squid differently? Maybe instead of rings, you did little triangles. Or maybe you batter and fry the, the rings, but then you do something different with the tentacles. Maybe it's like calamari two ways. Maybe you do something interesting with the batter or you crust it instead of doing a batter. Uh, or maybe you don't batter it at all. Or maybe you serve it with some interesting dipping sauce. Or or maybe you mess around with the presentation, right? Just like the, the bacon on the clothesline. Maybe there's a cool way to present an otherwise ordinary dish. You get the idea. The point is to make the experience of fried calamari somehow remarkable. Those are the experiences that get talked about and photographed and reviewed on Yelp and recommended to friends, family, and colleagues. You want people to leave so excited by their experience that they can't help but talk about their meal. And no, this has nothing to do with being high-end or low-end. This idea applies to all restaurants, right? It's like the peanuts at Five Guys, right? Otherwise, they're just a burger joint. But the peanuts are quirky. They're different. There's something you you talk about. It, it sticks in your mind because it's different. It's something that people remember because you don't see it all the time. Now, again, I'll also remind you way back on episode number 49, I interviewed Bob and Kate Carpenter, and they run this little breakfast spot in Escondido, California. It's called Sunnyside Kitchen. It is quaint, comfortable, and on the surface, they look like any other little breakfast spot. But instead of sandwiches, they specialize in panini and, of all things, quiche. They serve their famous cookies, but while the rest of the world keeps going bigger and bigger and bigger like the Levain cookies, Kate has kept her cookies purposely, deliberately small. They're like these little delicious bite-sized morsels, and you can eat a bunch of them without feeling too guilty. Those are the things that become conversation pieces. They become memorable. So to start, I I want you to think of a bunch of ways to make your place memorable, to make it different than any other place out there. Of course, a beer is a beer, but what about the experience makes it different? Like the the tap walls that you see nowadays, right? The the self-pour tap walls. You get a card and you go serve yourself. It's brilliant. They took an ordinary beer and even though they couldn't upgrade the product, they found a way to upgrade the experience. So again, make something worth talking about because most of your marketing will happen behind your back. Word of mouth is still our number one marketing tool. More than Facebook and Instagram and email marketing, word of mouth is still king. You simply need to find a way to spur it along and to get to people to say the things that you want them to say about you, right? What are the things getting talked about? What would make you perk up in your seat and pay attention? The same is true for your customers. Do more of those things. Now, you can do that with menu items or uh, the uh, unique presentation of the menu items. Uh, These can be service flourishes or, or quirky table settings or maybe an unusual music choice or any number of other things. You simply need to decide on something, be deliberate about it, and put it into action. Do that right away because you have people coming in every single day and they're going to eat and they are either going to rave about their meal, complain about their meal, or forget about their meal. 
You need to maximize those visits and make sure each and every one of those people are raving about the experience you provide, right? That's why we start with evangelism. And of course, that then leads us to the second side, retention. You're going to find ways to get those people to spread the gospel about your restaurant, right? That's what evangelism was all about. But now how are you going to get these people to come back? Yes, if they have good food and good service, they are apt to come back. But how can you tip the scales in your direction? There are tools, obviously. Email marketing is a big one. Making sure that you capture email addresses so that you can market to these people in the future. And then there's CRM software, right? CRM stands for Customer Relations Management, uh, like seven rooms uh, that doubles as a table management platform. And you can use text messaging and push notifications if you've got your own app. These are all ways to continue the conversation long after the diner has left the restaurant. There are also old school methods. Again, we talked about this earlier, like the bounce back offer, right? Or, or 10% off scribbled onto the back of a business card. It's another version of the bounce back offer. Whatever it is, make sure you're doing something or several somethings. Because the bottom line is you need a plan for bringing people back. Remember, it's cheaper to keep a customer than to go get a new one. So again, we work in reverse order. Evangelism, retention, and then finally, attraction. So attraction, while it sounds simple, uh, hopefully you understand after listening to the beginning part of this podcast, is actually the most complicated and the most expensive of these three. And that's because people come to you from a lot of different places, right? Or, or rather, you can find people in a lot of different places. And it's tough sometimes to know where they are in their journey. Remember, we talked about that traditional sales funnel, right? A-I-D-A, awareness, interest, desire, and action. And they say marketing works when you deliver the right message to the right person at the right time. And it's a bit like threading the needle because you may have the right message, but you're showing it to the wrong person. Or you might have targeted the right person, but it's just the wrong time. So you have to build a strategy that makes people aware of you and then one that invites them to learn more about you. And then you want to get them to a point where they trust you and then that they desire the experience you're offering enough so that they're going to take action, meaning book a reservation or click or buy your product or whatever it is that desired action is, whatever you want them to do. And in fact, what makes the attraction side of the triangle so expensive is that there are all those different phases, right? You need to build awareness for your brand and then spark interest and then uh, build trust and desire and so on until you get to action. So yes, you need a system for all three, but do not focus so hard on one of them like attraction that you neglect the others. Now, that's it for today. I wanted to introduce you to this triangle principle, something I've been talking about a lot more and more, and so I wanted to introduce it uh, to you guys here on the show. Again, attraction, retention, and evangelism, but do it in reverse order. As an exercise, I want you to take out three pieces of paper, one for each side of the triangle, and I want you to write down exactly what you're doing to accomplish each of these goals. So attraction, what are you already doing and what can you do? Get specific and make them smart goals, right? Specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and time-bound. Do the same thing with retention and then with evangelism. Then put them away for 24 hours and just let your mind wander. You're naturally going to stew on it. You're going to you're going to think about it when you're doing other things, when you're, you know, when you're when you're laying there in bed falling asleep and let your mind kind of stew on it. And then come back to the list after a day or so and add to the list. Get creative. Challenge yourself to think outside the box. Now, 
Before I let you go, I want to remind you to give us some love on Apple Podcasts. The five-star ratings and reviews really have been helping us out. If you've gotten something out of the show, please go to Apple Podcasts and let other people know. Until next time, stay creative, and I will see you soon. Restaurant Strategy is made possible by the generous support of our sponsors as well as our Patreon supporters. A special shout out to all of our gold and platinum members, Ty Haynes, Bob and Kate Carpenter, Scott Middleton, Chuck and Denise Close, Stephen and Ann Fagan, Mario D'Amatos, and Christopher Tana. If you want to become a supporter, please go visit patreon.com slash restaurant strategy. Again, the link is in the show notes.